Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Outscore 33 to 10. Tatum fires away, pumps it in! 51 for Jason Tatum! Stepping out of bounds. So the Knicks have not made a shot here in the fourth. Miami is one out of nine. Butler gets inside for the deuce. The second pick will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 NBA Draft goes to the San Antonio Spurs. Off the glove of Ahmed, and Oakland wins the ball game. A hot smash to short off the bat of Ruiz. And the A's, who trailed at 8-4 in the seventh inning, have come back to win it 9-8. Third quarter. They've cut it to 11. Jokic just gets it off in time. It's up. Oh, it's good. Of course it goes in. Jokic from downtown. Anthony Davis just stares at him. We played great all year, and uh, this loss absolutely diminishes that, what we did this year, you know, in, in some ways. It doesn't for us. And then tonight, I thought we took that step backwards, but that's okay. That happens too. Can something uh, good come from that step backward? Yeah, I mean, it always can. I mean, I say it every year. One team wins, you know. Uh, it's not going to be us this year. 0-1. Swing and a high drive. Center field. It is deep. Kiermaier looking back, looking up. It is gone. A home run off the batter's eye. Aaron Judge has gone yard. He says, hey, look at me now. Two-run shot. Yankees take the lead. They're in front 5-3. to three. Well, is that something or what? One and one, the count to Paredes. The pitch, swinging a high fly ball to left field and deep. It's down the line, headed towards the corner near the pole. And it is a fair ball and a home run. And Isak Paredes has hit his second home run of this game. A two-run homer. And the Rays have a 6 to nothing lead against Verlander in the Mets. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, May 17th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Celtics Heat, who you got ATS tonight in Game 1. The NBA Draft, do you closely follow the process? The Diamondbacks was last night the worst loss of the season. Nuggets and Lakers, what did we learn in Game 1? The Sixers, should Doc Rivers have been fired? On the Diamond, what stood out on Tuesday night? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, an NBA draft discussion. Uh, Isaac Trotter will join us for 24-7 sports. 9.30 will be interactive action. 
at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That uh, local roundup will include a Diamondbacks Athletics Rewind from Tuesday night. Meanwhile, the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, top by the latest line and from the scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kalo. That will include a preview of the PGA Championship. Alex Myers of Golf Digest will join Kayla. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who you got tonight, ATS, in Game 1 against the uh, in the Eastern Conference Final. Your choices are the Celtics minus 8 or the Heat plus 8, and Kayla is here and has the early returns. The Heat plus 8, 75% of the vote, Celtics minus 8 at 25%. The Celtics are overwhelming series favorites against the Heat, as high as five and a half to one at more than one worldwide betting location. Keep in mind that the largest chunk of handle inside those series odds are future bets that are last, you know, it's up to 12 months ago when some of those future bets they started to take those. This this the series price is not based on what the odds makers consider to be the true odds to win this series. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, do you closely follow the NBA draft process, including the Tuesday night review of the draft lottery order? And uh, Kayla, once again, has the early returns. No, leading the way, 100% of the vote. This is on Twitter (laughs) at KDOS AM 1060. Okay. Uh, The Spurs are certainly following this. They have a knack of drafting first when a big man, uh, a standout big man is available. David Robinson in 1989, Tim Duncan in 1997, and Victor W. from France in 2023, whose last name, by the way, was pronounced differently at least three different ways in a two-hour span last night on ESPN. So I don't feel so bad if I'm just going Victor W. Like I said, they at least three times I heard a different pronunciation of his last name. So uh, good luck. So he's, he's going to be the greatest player of all time. So just Victor ought to be good enough. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks suffered a bad loss last night. They were only able to hold an 8-4 lead in the 9-8-12 inning loss to the putrid Oakland Athletics. It was Tuesday night the Diamondbacks' worst loss of the season. Meanwhile, spanning the globe from the NBA postseason, the Nuggets scored 72 points in the first half, led by as many as 21 points in the third quarter, before holding on after the Lakers narrowed the lead to three down the stretch. What stood out uh, and what should we take away uh, from the Nuggets' 132-126 victory over the Lakers in Game 1? Meanwhile, the Sixers fired Doc Rivers. Uh, this notion that this uh, generation of players uh, is getting coaches fired, uh, people that think that, it may be true now, but it's been true for a long time. Uh, those people, they're, they're just saying the current generation, I guess they don't remember 1982 when Magic Johnson led a mutiny uh, to get Paul Westhead fired as the Lakers coach. And that was less than 12 months after you know, the Lakers and Westhead, Westhead won the NBA championship. So this has been going on for a long time. 
Were the Sixers justified in firing Doc Rivers? New York, New York. Let's start with the Yankees. They recorded one of their best wins of the season after Aaron Judge's game-winning two-run homer in the eighth inning at Toronto, while the Mets, who have now lost their last six series, they lost at home in Justin Verlander's, uh, Verlander's home debut. And as you heard the highlight there, if you were listening closely, a night that he got booed by the frustrated local fans in his first home start ever as a Met. So what stood out to you in Tuesday's full schedule of MLB action? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. I was stumped by a line that I read every day. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey with a news update. That'll be followed by an NBA draft preview. Isaac Trotter will join us from 24-7 Sports. Uh, for those of you voting 100% against that you pay attention to the draft, pay attention. And you'll vote differently the next time because the draft's going to be a big topic on this show for the next month or so. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup. That'll be topped by a bad loss last night by the Diamondbacks. It wasn't just the bullpen which didn't help, but it was the offense. Uh, how could you not score in your last five at-bats against baseball's worst bullpen? Oakland, not just the worst bullpen this year, they're historically on pace to be the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball history. You listen to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The 2023 NBA draft order was set last night. And uh, for our first look at uh, this year's draft, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in sports um, by Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. And Isaac, good to have you on the show. And I'm going with Victor W., that's uh, how we're going to call this, from France. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, you know highlight videos. Those always look good. I know you've uh, watched much more than I have. So w- what is impression the most from Victor? Yeah, Wimbenyama is, you know, arguably the best prospect since LeBron. You could make a case he's just as good or better at prospect than LeBron. Just a, a generational type talent. And, you know, the thing that I really love about him is the defense. You know, he's seven foot four. He has an enormous wingspan that's close to eight feet. He just changes the entire, like, complexion of your defense, both at the rim, his ability to move his feet out on the perimeter. 
he's he's really an alien. You look at him, and you're like, how is this guy human? He just doesn't look like the rest of us. He just looks different. He's in that 99th percentile in so many different aspects of his game. And I have no doubt that he has an ability to come in and immediately become one of the impact defenders. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people will look at his highlights and see, a, you know, a seven foot four, seven foot five guy with these pull-up jumpers and these deep threes. And that's super impressive. But I think defensively is a chance to be all defense right away. You know, you see the impact that Rudy Gobert has on, on the defensive end of the floor. Like, I think he could be even better than that. And Rudy Gobert is a multiple defensive player of the year. So he's just an incredible, incredible talent. And San Antonio Spurs lucked out in the lottery yesterday, and they have an unbelievable talent on their way to San Antonio. Because, you know, it's all but done. Like, everybody knows that's the number one pick. Wemby is going to San Antonio. So the Spurs, as you mentioned, won the rights to draft him last night. Seems to be the perfect match. Uh, do you agree with that? And also, I, I guess is Pop's going to coach forever now, huh? Basically, right? You get David Robinson, then you get Tim Duncan, and now you get Victor <laughs> Wembanyama, and he's the next one in the list. And, you know, I think you look at this San Antonio roster and you like a lot of the younger pieces. Devin Bissell is a nice piece. Kelda Johnson is a nice piece. Jeremy Sochan was terrific as a rookie last year. You see a lot of these nice little pieces. But they needed a dude, and now they got one. And I think Pop is a, a perfect coach for him obviously and I think Victor Wembenyama really wanted to go to San Antonio as well I think you could have made a case that Portland would have been really fun to go team up with Damian Lillard um, but I think I think San Antonio is the perfect landing spot for him and you know it's a bit funny how you know back in the day when when San Antonio tanked to try to get you know uh when they tried to go get Tim Duncan it worked out and yeah. now they're kind of you know history is repeating itself a little bit with Wembenyama yeah so what do you think his biggest adjustment's going to be moving to the NBA yeah, I think the the big thing is just his shot selection could get a little bit iffy during his time uh, overseas. Obviously, he was terrific and, and very productive, but I think there were times where he was just trying to see what he could get away with. So you see, like, these setback follow-away threes and stuff like that. And I think San Antonio will rein that in a little bit and maybe getting him to take more high-efficient shots, not necessarily having to be the, the high-impact creator. But I think the other thing, too, is just his body. That's that's really the big question mark. You know, big guys, we've seen it a long time. There's a long history of injuries. And, you know, you, you don't want to project an injury onto a, a, a talented kid like this or Wimbanyama. But I think there is a question about stuff like that. But I think reigning in his shot selection, you know, finding his position will be key. Is he a five? Is he really more of a mismatch four? Is he a playmaking five? Like, what, what type of role is that, that that they really want from him? And, and just seeing how his body develops and grows because he's still so young. It's like there's so much more room for his body to develop and change. And it's going to be fascinating to see what he looks like in two, three years. And, you know, Woj on the broadcast last night talking about how they think he could be, you know, arguably the best player in the league in three years. Maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I don't think it's necessarily crazy to think that he could be, you know, as impactful as any young player that we've seen in, in the past few decades. And, you know, the history of number one picks leading their team to a playoff first and, it right away is, is pretty rare. So I wouldn't expect San Antonio to be in the mix for a playoff first right away yet, depending on what they do. But, you know, he immediately makes them relevant, and they were anything but relevant last season. After he's obviously the number one pick, I'm curious, the the lottery-level players after that, is, is that a deep group, the lottery-level group of guys? Yeah, it feels like there's, you know, Victor Wembanyama's in his own tier. But afterward, Scoot Henderson is an incredible second uh, choice. I think there's a really good chance for the Charlotte Hornets to team up with LaMelo Ball and you add Scoot Henderson, Henderson to that mix. So, you know, I think you look at LaMelo, he's a, a really good three-point shooter, and obviously he's going to get to the rim for layups. And Scoot's a little bit different because he has a just a 
downhill attacking team gets that mid-range pull-up. So I really like him. He's a super, super explosive. Brandon Miller, the kid out of Alabama, he's a little bit older. There's some off-the-court stuff that they have to kind of pilfer through and see if it works out. But I think you really like the six foot nine ability to shoot it from three. He, he played a lot of point guard at times for Alabama last year. He played in a very NBA scheme last year on both ends of the floor. So you feel good about him. You know, the Thompson twins are, are super, super bouncy. There are questions about their jumper, but you like him. And they, they felt like they're maybe in that next tier. I think you kind of go scoot and you go Brandon Miller as like that next tier after Wembenyama. And then it's like the Thompson twins. Cam Whitmore is a personal favorite of mine. So it feels like this draft feels like there's there's five or six really, really talented players up the top, and then there's a little bit of a dip afterwards. Talking with Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports as we look at the draft. Uh, you know, the the Pistons obviously end up you know, sliding down to number five. Is there a huge difference between two and five in this draft, in your opinion? I do. I do think that there is a huge difference between two and five because Scoot would be a phenomenal addition for any team. And I think that there's a, a lot of people <laughs> that would, that would you know, view Scoot Henderson as a number one caliber player in a draft if, if, if Victor Wimbanyama wasn't in the mix, right? But I think the Pistons, you know, it is a gut check to move down to five. And I do think, though, the pivot is, is pretty sustainable. If they can get Cam Whitmore at five, I would feel really good about that. He is six, seven, chiseled, just explosive off the floor, big-time dunker. You see his impact at the rim. You know, he, he walks into the stadium or into a gym, and he immediately looks like one of the most chiseled players on the floor while other guys are older than him just don't even look like him yet. So he's a little bit different in that regard. And you put him with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, that's a talented young trio that you'd feel really good about. So if Detroit, you know, they're reeling right now, not getting the, you know, a higher pick or a chance at Wemby. But if they can get Whitmore at five or, say, Brandon Miller drops after they're off the court issues, maybe that scares some teams off. I feel like they'd feel pretty good about it after draft day. You mentioned Miller effect. I was going to ask about him next. Obviously, his, you know, I'm going to call it his controversial situation in Alabama. How much do you think that alters the opinion of the NBA decision makers? Yeah, I think it's a factor. I don't know if it's the factor, but I think it is a factor. And I think a lot of teams are doing their homework on him right now. And, you know, I didn't think Alabama handled that situation very well last year, to be honest. You know, they, they bungled Agreed. that in yes. multiple, in, yeah. in multiple um, circumstances. They, they really bungled it. I think Nate Oates did not help Brandon Miller in that scenario. But, you know, as they've gone through the draft process, who knows where it's coming from? It's probably from Brandon Miller's camp. A lot of the latest, you know, news around that thing is that the teams have done the research and they've realized that, you know, Brandon Miller seems like a pretty bright kid. He seems like a, a good person. And they don't expect this to be, you know, something that continues to happen. So I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I think it's to each their own in that regard. I think if I was a general manager looking at that situation and, you know, it was close between Brandon Miller and Whitmore, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, I think it would be, you know, feasible to avoid that headache if you, if you like another guy just as much. You know what I mean? You mentioned Whitmore a couple of times. You know, he had some injury issues at Villanova to start the year. He certainly improved during the season. His supporting cast got better during the season last year, too, because Villanova had other injuries. Can, convince me a little more on Whitmore here. Yeah, I think the what you're buying into is that he's still super young. He's only 18. And you think that defensively he could be an all-NBA caliber defender one day. Uh, and then you add in that offensive game where he's just so powerful. And You know, one thing, I, you know, the Villanova year was up and down and iffy, but still even late in the season, he still had some really, really intriguing bursts where he's, 
driving to the rim and finishing over multiple guys at the rim with two hand jams and no one can keep in his way. And he's just he's just like kind of what you want of like that two way wing moving forward in the NBA. That's what everybody craves. But I think the other the other thing is earlier before he even got to Villanova, he's playing for Team USA, their under sixteen team playing for the gold medal. And there's five stars all over the floor. And Whitmore just is the best player on the floor by far. Mm. You know, there's there's guys going to Indiana or Oregon or, you know, some of these top Duke and, and top schools in the country. And Whitmore just head and shoulders the best player. So I think you kind of look at it as like he's a project with a really, really high floor because of his defense. And, you know, the jumper was a something that continued to improve. And if, if he can kind of add a little bit more fluidity to his game along with all that power, all that – you know, that just that room room that he kind of has, I think you could feel really, really good about what his ceiling could be. Keontae George, I've seen him on some you know, projected top 10 lists, and I think it's safe and accurate to say that he was MIA more than occasionally at Baylor. Is that, am I looking at this wrong, or is that maybe a concern for some NBA execs? Yeah, no, that's definitely a concern. And I think when you look at Keontae George, the talent as a ball handler and the play creator is, is dazzling. But his decision-making as a freshman was pretty off. You know, there'd be times where he's pulling up for 30-foot jumpers with 21 seconds left on the shot clock, and Scott Drew has his hands up on the sideline going like, hey, hey, we like could run a little bit of offense. Like, we could do anything but that. We can take that shot whenever. So I think those are the decision-making things. That, that's a real thing. But his ability, to, his ability to score can't be, you know, can't be questioned at all. And I think that there is some defensive – there is some defensive spurt there that you kind of like, but – you know, in the NBA, like, Keontae George is not going to get a 28% usage rate his freshman year, like or his rookie year, like he did his freshman year at Baylor. He's going to have to learn how to buy in a role, do his job. And if he can prove to, you know, decision makers, both in the meetings this week at the NBA Combine and moving forward, that, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be, you know, buy in and play even with harder effort on the defensive end. And, hey, I want to, you know, buy in and, and take the good shots, right, and not necessarily force my own offense. I think there could be an opportunity where he's, a, he's an impactful rookie as a, microwave second unit score and maybe a guy who can start learning learning and earning some of those closing minutes if he can really lock in on the defense then. Jarris Walker, I actually thought he was like the most improved player in college basketball in my eyes, at least from the start of the season to the end of his freshman year. What's the consensus opinion of Walker? No, I love him. I love him. Great passer, really good playmaker, huge wingspan. I think he has six eight, like a seven foot two wingspan. I think you love the idea of what he could be. Uh, his shooting, especially as the season progressed, got better, shot close to 35% from three. And he's just chiseled. And the defensive um, you know, game plan that, that Houston had under Kelvin Sampson was terrific, one of the best defenses in all of college basketball. And Walker was really a big piece of that, guarding multiple positions. You know, He's one of the guys that's coming over to double team and gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's just getting a ton of deflections and able to spark transition and, and he's able to handle it a little bit out in transition. So I, I really love what he could potentially be. I don't know if he's necessarily an all-star or like a, you know, a 10 time all-star and like is going to be making, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. But I do think that he can be a high level role player right away. And then you kind of just see what he, his body turns into because he's just so big and so strong. He just looks different than most college freshmen. Beyond the lottery, you know, basically the second half of the first round here, is that a deep group heading into the uh, you know, the rest of the first, rounding out the first round? Is that a deep group? Yeah, it's interesting. I think you have some pretty uh, big risks that you're potentially taking on talented guys. I look at Tariq Whitehead, a kid from Duke who was a five-star prospect. He had a really injury 
riddled freshman year. Jalen Hood Shafino, another five-star prospect. And we've seen instances where those young five-star recruits who maybe don't have the full freshman year that you necessarily expect could be pretty good values late in that first round. So I look at them. I look at Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State, just a bucket getter. He, if you look up bucket getter in the doc, in the dictionary, Bryce Sensabaugh's picture is right there. He is <laughs> phenomenal. And he's going to be just an unbelievable scorer from day one. Now you have questions about everything else. Can he defend? Can he can he, you know, is he a passer? Can he play make? All of those things. But I think there's some really talented guys near the end that are productive in college, but I think there's still a lot of questions about, you know, what they will be moving forward. You might have just mentioned a couple of those guys, but you know, are there a couple of players that have a a big chance to rise or fall between now and draft night? Yeah, you know, I think a, a big potential faller right now is Jet Howard out of Michigan. Top 50 recruit, uh, can really shoot it. You like some of the offensive uh, ability that he has, but I think there are real questions about his buy-in on the defensive end. You know, um, his off-ball defense is pretty rough. His on-ball defense is even more suspect. So he's kind of fallen down the ranks a little bit, and, and he really has lots of work to do. You know, the other guy that I continue to look at as a potential riser is Derek Whitehead. Like you said, like, you know, the injury is a big question, but, like, you're banking on, you know, hey, last year was more flip. He's a big-time athlete when he gets fully healthy. You know, if we're using a late first-round pick or a mid-first-round pick, you know, th- that pick in general, you're kind of hoping to get a role player. Well, you could get a star if Derek Whitehead kind of lives back up to the height. I mean, he was the number two player in, his, in this class. He was supposed to be mm-hmm. in the lottery pick conversation, and you could potentially get him for a discount because, you know, the knee injuries, the inconsistent time at Duke, barely getting to practice, got hurt before the season, got hurt during the season, surgery after the season. Like, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot for a freshman to handle. And he's still – has as high an upside as a ton of guys in this draft and we just you know don't really get to talk about him too much just because of you know just the injuries and that that you know how his freshman season totally got derailed okay last topic and i think i know the answer to these questions but any pac-12 player a possibility for the lottery and if not who's the best pac-12 prospect yeah i think that um i i love jaime Jaquez from ucla i think he's one of my favorite players in this draft and i think if you get him, you know immediately that he is going to be, you know, an impact piece for you, whether that's a role player coming off the bench, all of those different things. Like, I, I think he's phenomenal, and, and I really do. I think that, that the Pac-12, though, is really interesting, like looking at these UCLA guys, like Adam Bona, Jalen Clark, Amari Bailey, all of those guys, along with Hawkes, those four could potentially be first and second round picks, but it's really like, what else are you getting from them? Like, will, you know, Amari Bailey decide to go back to school? Will Adam Bona decide, hey, I want a second year at UCLA? You know, and so, like, those are all of those impactful pieces. I think Azulis Tabellis was phenomenal for Arizona last year. But I don't know how much he's helped himself out at the NBA Combine today. It is five-on-five scrimmages. He has to be great today in order to, to make a big jump up the, the rankings just because, you know, his, his perimeter game still leaves a lot to be desired. But... I have all eyes on Jaime Hawkins, one of my favorite players in college basketball. I think any team that drafts him is super smart and is getting a winning, valuable player from day one. As far as Tabellus, Isaac, I don't know. I don't have game. I don't know if you have any game, but I'm pretty sure that he can't guard either of us. So there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not a good defender. All right, Isaac, good stuff. Hey, I look forward to talking to you throughout the draft process. This has been great. Anytime. Thanks, man. Thank you. Should never say any time to a talk show host. Okay, Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports.
Good stuff from him. That's just the first of our uh, several draft segments uh, before the draft, which is roughly a month from now. Next segment today, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. We'll start with the Diamondbacks' dismal uh, last four or five innings last night at Oakland as they lose to the putrid Oakland Athletics. First Diamondbacks extra inning game of the season. They didn't quite apparently understand, hey, you got a ghost runner on second base to begin the inning, and you've got the 10th, 11th, and 12th innings, and the Diamondbacks didn't get that runner home one time. In fact, they didn't score after the 8th inning last night against the worst bullpen in baseball. More on that in the next, the next segment, and more on the Diamondbacks in the next segment. There were a few good things last night before the, the late inning meltdown. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KTUS hotline 602-260-1060. We'll get to your phone calls in just a second. Let's get to the Diamondbacks from last night. The bullpen and the offense failed in the loss at Oakland. Excuse me, at Oakland. The bullpen blew an 8-4 lead in the seventh inning. There was an eventual 9-8-12 inning loss. First Diamondbacks extra inning game of the season. The Diamondbacks offense failed to score in their last five at-bats against the Oakland bullpen, which is the worst in baseball this season and on pace to be the worst in the history of baseball at least as far as our run average goes. Maybe that changed last night because they had five scoreless innings. Uh, but before the uh, late-inning demise, uh, there was plenty of offense. L- Lourdes Gorgel Jr., this guy can hit. And we knew that before. He now has a 10-game hitting streak for the, uh, for the Diamondbacks. That's currently tied for the uh, fourth-longest active streak in Major League Baseball. Uh, his current streak, the second longest by a Diamondback this season. Corbin Carroll had 12, I believe, to start the season. And uh, also, Guriel Jr. Uh, has uh, you know, another home run, by the way. Uh, he's uh, He has six extra he has extra base hits, in fact, in six straight games with four doubles and two homers. Dominic Fletcher continued his hot start. He had a single in the fifth inning. He joined uh, Gerardo Parra, Mark Reynolds, Chad Tracy, some of my favorite players here, and Matt Cata as the only Diamondbacks with at least 20 hits in their first 15 career games. Also, Catal Marte extended his on-base streak to 17 consecutive games. That's currently tied for the uh, fifth-longest active streak in Major League Baseball. Uh, he uh, you know, basically had double uh, last night, and uh, he's been really good over the last uh, you know, few games, obviously, reaching base 17 consecutive times. On the negative side, Evan Longoria, who I'm starting to wonder if we've seen long the best, a uh, long time ago, the best of Evan Longoria. Four strikeouts and four at-bats last night. They pinch hit for him in the eighth inning with the game on the line. Tommy Henry. Uh, he should not be a Major League Baseball starting pitcher at this point of his career. I don't think, I'm not sure the Diamondbacks are. I don't think they have any choice, quite frankly, but last night – 
Henry didn't make it through five innings, four runs, six hits, three more walks uh, in four and two-thirds innings. He just doesn't miss bats. On the season, he has just 13 strikeouts and a very unacceptable 12 walks also in 27 innings this season. Up next, the Diamondbacks with the uh, depleted bullpen for sure after last night. Uh, they're scheduled to start Ryan Nelson tonight. They need, or excuse me, this afternoon it's a matinee game. They need some innings out of Nelson, and I don't think anybody's liking the chances of that. He's 1-2 and two with a 620-year run average this season, but they need something out of him this afternoon in the series finale at Oakland. One other quick observation from last night. Uh, they have security at Oakland home games, uh, which seems like a complete waste of money considering they have no fans. Uh, I'm sort of kidding here, but not completely. You know, they had a game this year where there were like, you know, the official attendance was like 3,000, and there's no way that that was the case. In fact, I know a couple of media people that have covered the A's that they were actually counting fans in the stands out of, I could probably boredom from watching their team play. Uh, but uh, it's it's a dismal situation. But I did get a chuckle when I saw the big security guy there with his you know, big you know, yellow jacket with security on the back. And you know, what I think the Raiders are playing there back in the day when they needed a lot of security. All right, update of the National League West standings. And unlike uh, you know, unlike uh, Monday night when the entire division won, wasn't quite as successful last night. The Dodgers actually lost to Minnesota. Uh, so they actually lost a game, that which is unusual because they'd won 12 of their previous 14 games before last night. Diamondbacks lose at Oakland. Uh, so the Dodgers are 27-16. and 16. Diamondbacks are 24-19. and 19. The Padres, they lost last night to Kansas City, 20-23. and 23. San Francisco did win last night over Philadelphia. They're 19-23. and 23. And I don't even know if the Rockies beat the Reds or not. Uh, they played them yesterday. Uh, being a big Reds fan, I don't watch the Reds because they're eliminated the day the spring training opens. So there's that. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Monroe and Glendale. Hi, Monroe. Hello, Bob. Hello. There's a couple of things I'd like to, to uh, point out. Uh, first, I have come to the conclusion that there are certain things that people, the sports analysts, talking heads, certain things they say that reveal their age. And one of them is players getting coaches fired and super teams. Yeah. If you if yeah. you think this is new, you were born right. at in the eighties. <laughs> you were born in the eighties or the nineties. You don't know sports yeah, before you... ESPN. That's true. I mean, all you got to do, if you really want to go back, I used the example earlier. I've used the example for 30 years, 40 years now. Magic Johnson, you know, it was roughly a calendar year after you know, Paul Westhead and the Lakers won a championship. Magic Johnson led a mutiny to get Westhead fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's not new. Uh, I just laugh sometimes and go, yeah, uh, I do you too. know, oh, God, get off my lawn kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Totally agree. Yeah, it was James Harden got uh, Doc Rivers fired, and this he's the first at, first player that's ever gotten a coach fired. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, with regards to Monty Williams and Doc Rivers, 
I would say I would not have fired either of them, but I think there was a sufficient cause on their part. I think you could look at those two teams and predict they were not going to get any further than they did. I think that it's the way they went down in flames. Uh, and I, I, I believe roster construction is a big part of that. But it's right. just some other things that uh, it, it's, they, didn't, they didn't coach in a way that made it so clear that roster construction was a big problem. That's the way I, I think, think that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair, even though I do think uh, it's amazing to me that the general managers in both those places survived and the head coaches did not. Or to me, this you mentioned roster construction. Uh, to me, uh, Phoenix and Philadelphia is far more a roster construction thing than it was a coaching situation. And I hear all this stuff about Doc Rivers has lost. He's lost the most game sevens in NBA history. He's also been an underdog in seventy percent of those game sevens. So he wasn't supposed to win. You know, seven of the ten times that he's lost, uh, he should he was not ex- expected to win the game to start with. Yeah, yeah. And so when you when you look at that, though, I think James Jones essentially saved his job by by allowing the announcement to come out and I think he's on a short leash. I don't believe he's going to last. I just think he was able to delay his own demise cuz I honestly believe that the owner is going to clean house. And well, I, I, I okay, so what's short leash? Is that like he's going to be fired before the next season starts? No, I, I think that he's probably going to be fired within the next year. I agree with okay. you. I agree with you that he should be gone because he built the team. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, before the team was sold, he was involved in the, some of the, 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 uh, the, the signing of campaign to this deal and that kind of stuff, right? The owner apparently right. – the owner apparently made this deal to Kevin Durant. I, I guess that's the case. That is uh, correct. But he had he, James Jones had two off seasons to build this bench, and he did a horrible job of it. Yes, agreed totally. Um, now switching gears a little bit, I'm, I'm curious to watch. I guess it's a foregone conclusion that San Antonio is going to take this French guy. Oh yeah, uh, I'm curious. I'm curious to watch how Popovich approaches him. Uh, I don't put him in the same category as a big man because those guys are those guys are dinosaurs, right? The, 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 the <laughs> Joel, Joel Embiid is barely hanging on, and and as far as I'm concerned, Andre Ayton is just you know his, his time is limited. No one plays those kind of positions anymore, and so it'd be interesting to see if Popovich can take this guy and use him in that way or whether he's going to try and uh, put him in a traditional kind of a role. I'm just curious to see how that works itself out. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've never seen this kid play a game. I've seen highlight videos, and yeah, every highlight video looks like the greatest player in the history of the planet, no matter of what course. sport it is. 
Right. You, you just look you look at when they get to when we get to draft night, they're not going to show highlights of you know highlight videos of these guys making bad plays. Right, uh, right. He looks like I mean he's clearly though you know, is a highly skilled, versatile player, and I listened to him talk yesterday more than once, and he's got a real understanding of the game. I could just tell that by you know three minute sound bites of listening to him. He's got a real clue of what uh, is going on as far as just you know, understanding the game. So I'll just repeat myself. So there's yeah, that. I, I agree with you. But, but Popovich is, yeah, I, I don't know if dinosaur, he's somewhere between dinosaur and, you know, still great coach. But, you know, he's, he, he in the last couple of years when he had lesser talent in San Antonio, um, he certainly has gone with younger players and allowed them to play. Uh, and I think part of it is I don't know if they were quote tanking, uh, but it, it, if they were, it worked. <laughs> right, right. Lastly, here, um, I assume that it's too early to tell, but are the Rangers are the Rangers real? I think they're pretty good as long as they're you know like obviously the Grom's already out, but uh, you know their starting pitching is interesting. They're one of many teams, and I mean many teams. So you can almost name every team that has a winning record in Major League Baseball that is going to have to add significant bullpen help before the trade deadline. It's going to be an outrageous battle for relief pitchers before the trade deadline. And they're in that list. All right. Thank okay. you, Bob. Thank you. I like to watch the Rangers play. I mean, their offense has been amazing, and Corey Seager – he was supposed to come back last night from the injury. He's been out for basically a month, and then he got sick and wasn't able to play. Uh, so they're 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 an interesting bunch. And uh, you know, Bruce Bochy is a tremendous manager, kind of like Popovich. Reminds me in a way that he gets the most of what he has, and he's willing to change his style to best suit the available talent. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. We're going to go rapid fire here. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HD 2 100.7. Uh, from the NBA postseason scoreboard, the Nuggets remain unbeaten at home in this, this postseason. Uh, they were up. Uh, they actually were. There was a ton of action on them yesterday. They went from four and a half to seven point favorites by tip off. The Nuggets had 72 points in the first half, led by 21 in the second half. The Lakers cut the lead to three. The Nuggets win by six, failed to cover the number. The closing total of 222 and a half went way over. The game landed at 258. So uh, we'll have more on this. Uh, as far as the Nuggets and the Lakers during the extra point hosted by Kayla in the uh, next two hours from 10 to noon. As far as uh, looking ahead in the NBA, Miami at Boston tonight, and Boston is pretty much universally an eight-point favorite in this game. Game one of the Eastern Conference Final in Boston. Total opened, uh, opened 210 up to 211. And uh, tomorrow night it's game two, the Lakers at Denver. And uh, the uh, Denver Nuggets opened six and a half. Then they immediately, and I mean immediately, went to five, five and a half, depending on where you do your uh, 
Do your business. Uh, total open to 223.5 after last night it landed at 258. That total also immediately went up all the way to 227, 227.5, once again, depending on where you do your business. Last night in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge shut up the uh, mouthy Blue, Ray, uh, Blue Jays excuse me, for at least one night. Uh, J, uh, Judge hit a uh, eighth inning homer, and uh, he also he apparently hit this home run at the Rogers Center last night. We know that, but they, also, they have a little maple leaf thing out there, and he, not, he broke the maple, maple leaf. <laughs> Bad idea. Toronto fans hate him already. Uh, they really don't like him now. So the Yankees win 6-3. to three. A lot going on in this game. Domingo Herman was ejected for a sticky substance situation. Uh, and, uh, of course, they had the issues uh, with uh, the Blue Jays and Judge on Monday night. So it's Garrett Cole today pitching in the final game. Of that. I think it's the final game of the series. And I'm not sure if they play tomorrow or not, uh, but they do today. Garrett Cole, who is still, quote, undefeated as a starting pitcher, 5-0. and zero even though they have lost uh, his last uh, his last couple of starts uh, against Chris Bassett, who's done a nice job after he's had one horrible start. But if you throw out the one, I mean, he gave up like 10 runs in one start. Uh, but Bassett has a 5-2 and two record with a 349 uh, run average. Justin Verlander booed off the mound last night in his debut as a Met, his home debut as a Met. Uh, Isak Paredes homered twice, drove in five runs. As the Rays defeated the Mets 8-5 last night. As the Rays just continue, they have the best record in baseball at 33-11. They have the most wins after 43 games of any team since the 20, uh, 2001 Seattle Mariners. Of course, the Mariners did not win the World Series or even go to the World Series that year. But best to start after 43 games since 2001. All right, stay tuned. The Extra Point's coming up next in the next couple hours. Much more on the, the basketball from last night and the PGA Championship preview with Kayla and Alex Myers. So stay tuned for that.